Well, it's an exciting time as we face the end of the year and as we look ahead to 2022 and beyond. Sounds weird saying that, doesn't it? 2022. Um, And here we are with great opportunities, with great challenges, and with a great sense of the presence of the Lord who has seen us through some difficult years and we know will see us through the challenges that he has for us and the opportunities that he has for us uh, ahead. Who would have thought that our online services and streaming that we started before the pandemic would play such a key role uh, over the last couple of years, and yet it has, and we appreciate all of you who continue to very faithfully join us in our assembly through uh, our Facebook uh, pages, through our website, and our online streaming, and then who may... uh, come and join us later through our archives. We appreciate all of you so much. We love and appreciate everyone that's a part of this church family and uh, so many that are joining us in person week by week. We continue to see some that we haven't seen in a while, and that is always a great, great blessing uh, to have you present with us in our services. Um, We mentioned about the special contribution coming up next Sunday. I hope that you will prayerfully consider that. What a great, great blessing it would be for our church leaders and for all of our ministry leaders and for all of our church family uh, to see before January 1st, 2022, that debt is completely paid off. Uh, I am just optimistic enough to tell you that I firmly believe 100% Wade that is going to happen. I just believe that that is going to happen. And we have felt God's blessing, and this church has always risen to the occasion. And we're going to see some wonderful things that God will do through us and on us uh, in the weeks ahead, but also in this coming year and beyond. So I urge you to pray very much about that and to consider what you can do on that. Uh, we've mentioned several that are on our prayer list. You see that in the bulletin each week. You see that on our emails, on our app. Uh, one of those that we have just recently heard of is our brother, Davy Carter, who is in the hospital for a couple of days with COVID pneumonia. And so we want to remember Davy and Sonia and all of their family, especially as they deal with that and look forward to hearing of Davy's good uh, recovery. Also, uh, one of our family members here, Jim Soup, shared with me, he will be doing our closing prayer at the end of our service. Jim shared with me about uh, some friends of theirs that are going through some very difficult struggles. And at this time of year, of course, it just exacerbates some of that pain. So we uh, certainly want to be prayerful uh, for them. We continue to have great activities. We have lots of activities planned, a party for our age 50 and up this Thursday night, a holiday party uh, for all of our church family uh, this coming uh, week from tonight on Sunday night, uh, December 12th. We continue to have uh, a chapel class on uh, Sunday evenings. This week we'll uh, be talking tonight uh, some great and challenging and encouraging chapters of the Bible that speak about the father of the faithful, uh, Father Abraham. And so we look forward to being able to share with that tonight. Donnie Carnathan is also having a Zoom class tonight, and we'll do those things again in two weeks uh, on December 19th. Also on the 19th, we'll be able to uh, go to some of our shut-ins homes and take small singing groups to share God's joy uh, with them. That will not be tonight. That will be in two weeks 
on December the 19th. So there's lots going on. I still have uh, the Daily Bible, copies of that for $17, the very best daily Bible reading tool. If you're interested in that, I have uh, several of those still. Would love to be able to share that with you. Uh, That is a great, great tool. As I said, over the last few weeks, I have heard of some of our members who have read through the Bible, the whole Bible, over 50 times in their lives. Uh, I've talked to some who have said not only do they read through the Bible in a year, they read through it in a few different translations. Can I just tell you, I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, But I do enjoy reading through the Bible, and it is a great, great blessing And this is a great tool, and of course, there are many other daily Bible reading plans. As we think about 2022, what a great goal and resolution to make. This morning begins a new uh, sermon series entitled, Welcoming Christ. What does it mean to welcome Christ? Well, we'll talk about that over the next uh, month or so. Uh, Over the next five weeks, we'll have four lessons counting today. Our youth minister, Tucker Sullivan, will be sharing uh, some thoughts next Sunday morning during our sermon time. Uh, And so I know you're looking forward to that. We'll be out of town, but look forward to hearing the great blessing that he uh, will share with you on Sunday. He's been such a wonderful addition to our staff. Um, uh, Tucker and Elizabeth have been such a wonderful part of our church family right away, uh, very deeply loved and very active, and we appreciate them so much. I know you'll want to hear his thoughts next Sunday. Uh, This Sunday and then the three Sundays following next week, we'll be sharing about welcoming Christ. We'll talk about welcoming His coming uh, the Sunday before um, uh, Christmas And uh, we'll talk about some special things related to Mary and Joseph that day as they prepared uh, for the coming birth of the Lord. We'll talk about welcoming Christ's presence on the Sunday after Christmas. And we'll talk much about uh, the reaction of those who were there right at his birth and shortly after. Uh, And then finally, on January the 2nd, the first Sunday of 2022, uh, we will share about welcoming Christ's return as we look ahead to his coming again. Today it is welcoming Christ's forgiveness. What does it mean to welcome Christ? I think we're going to be sharing a lot about that, and I think it begins with this idea of welcoming his forgiveness. To welcome Christ's forgiveness means to accept it. To welcome Christ's forgiveness, it means to be obedient to his word, and to live a life of confidence and assurance, not because of us, but because of him. We speak today in a manner that is a a great blessing to be able to share openly. Um, As our shepherd Wade Weather shared earlier, we acknowledge that great scripture in 1 Timothy 2, where Paul exhorts Timothy to have people at his church pray Pray for the governing leaders, the civil leaders, the ones you agree with, the ones you don't agree with. Actually, there's no comment made about that. He just says to pray for them. But from the perspective of praying for this, that whatever the political climate is, that we will be able to spread his gospel, to share his word, that there will be some sense of peace and order in society so that we can do that. Because we will do that, whether there are consequences or not. 
And Paul encourages Timothy to pray uh, that that can happen as best possible in this earthly life. And so that's what we're doing today. Today we begin this series with welcoming Christ's forgiveness. And we share what we believe are, is the teaching of Scripture, what we believe is God's will regarding forgiveness and salvation. We do not apologize for that. We do not soft-pedal it. We do not share it arrogantly. We do not share it from the perspective of we know more than you or we're better than you because of what we believe or what we've done. That is, as Wade, uh, you borrow your term for a moment, that is 180 degrees opposite of what the teaching of Scripture is, to feel that way. But what we do is we trust in the Lord. And to trust in the Lord is to trust in His Word. And if we are going to trust in His Word and uh, to have that great faith and assurance that we will talk about in just a few moments, then we must be welcoming Christ's forgiveness. So a few things about that today. First of all, receiving His forgiveness. That is what we call the response of faith. And you see a lot of Scripture passages on your outline today. Hopefully you can access the outline online as well. There are Scripture passages that you may want to look, look to. We're not going to turn to any of those in particular, but we are going to mention them. And they're very familiar to you anyway. But a reminder today of the response of faith, receiving Christ's forgiveness. In order to do that, first of all, we must believe. We must believe. Without faith, Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to please God. That great scripture in John 3.16, the word of God saying that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus said in John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's a very exclusive statement. And yet it's not done in arrogance. It's done in love and it's done in truth because that's what it is. It is the truth for us to share with people that there's some other way than believing in Jesus Christ would be a lie and it would be wrong. Mark tells us at the end of his gospel in Mark 16 that we are to go about and preach the gospel to every creature. The one who believes and is baptized shall be saved. The one who does not believe will be condemned. We must believe. Secondly, we must repent. That word literally means change. We must change. (laughs) We find ourselves away from God. We must change. And it's more than just changing one or two things in our lives. It's actually changing our goals, changing our priorities, changing our worldview sometimes, changing the path that we're on every time. Moving to a path that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is not just my Savior, but that He is my Lord. And as my Lord and Master, He calls the shots in my life. I voluntarily give that over to him. And we see that through his wonderful word. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus commenting on a story of news of their day, of political leaders that had killed many of their own people, the Jews. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. In Acts chapter 2, when those people of the Jews on the day of Pentecost heard the message of Jesus dying for their sins 
and realizing that the chief among their sins was they had just put the Son of God to death as a criminal on a cross. They are cut to the heart, and they ask, what do we do? And the answer came back in Acts 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, they believed all right, but they hadn't changed. And they were told to repent and to be baptized. As we read in the book of Acts, the gospel continuing to be spread, Paul shares that great statement in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, that God commands all people everywhere to repent. Even in the middle of the Greek culture and the Greek gods, they were called to repent. To receive his forgiveness and respond in faith, we must believe and we must repent and we must confess. We must confess that these things have happened in my life. That I have come to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I have come to believe that he really lived, that he's really the son of God, and that he really died on the cross, and that God really raised him from the dead, and that he really lives today. And he is really coming back for those who have come to trust in him. And so we confess with our mouths, as Romans 10 says, Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Because with the heart we believe towards salvation and with the mouth we confess that faith that saves. In Acts chapter 8, as the Ethiopian official and uh, Philip the evangelist were traveling along and Philip was teaching him the gospel, starting with Isaiah 53, talking to him about Jesus, talking to him about his death, burial, and resurrection, talking to him about the response of faith. The man himself saw some water as they were going along in the chariot, and, and it's the Ethiopian that raises the question, look, here's, here's water, why can't I be baptized? That's what we've been talking about, isn't it? That's how you respond in faith, isn't it? Can I do that? And, and Philip responds with this statement, and he says, well, if you believe, you might. Well, how will Philip know that he really believes unless he tells him? And so we are called upon to confess. At our baptism, it is more than just a getting wet. It is more than just jumping off the deep end of the pool. It is more than just being totally submerged in the bathtub. Baptism has spiritual significance. And that's what makes it different. And the way that we know that that's what's going on in this person's life is that they tell us, they confess receive Christ's forgiveness, to respond in faith, and to welcome that forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We are to believe. We are to repent. We are to confess. And yes, we are to be baptized. That is the teaching of Scripture. It is not just Bill's opinion. It is not just what I have come to believe, what I have done in my own life, what most everyone in this room, many have as well, but rather it is what we understand the teaching of Scripture to be. And it's the teaching of Scripture that tells us what God's will is in the most objective fashion that is known to man. We are called to be baptized. Jesus, before he ascended, he told us to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and continuing to teach them, continuing to disciple them. In Matthew 28, in Romans 6, as Paul writes to the church in the capital city of the empire, he reminds them of their baptism. 
Romans chapter 6 is not a passage on baptism. It's actually a passage on faithful Christian living. (laughs) And when someone raises the question that says, hey, we're saved by faith. We were saved by the blood of Christ. Why can't we just live any way we want? And Paul's response to that is because you were baptized. That's why. You died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? For everyone who was baptized has died to sin. They were buried with Christ through baptism into death. They were raised to live a new life. And that's why you live faithfully. That's why you love your neighbor. That's why you don't gossip and you don't envy. And you don't slander. That's why you live a life of faith. Why? Because you gave your life to Jesus. You died with him. You were raised with him. And now you live a new life as a child of God. Colossians 2 says much the same thing. In much the same context, how do we receive Christ as Lord? By trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection. And being raised out of the watery grave of baptism to live a new and faithful life. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter reminds us that baptism is more than just taking a bath and washing off dirt from the flesh, but rather it's an act of faith, and it's an act of saving faith, an act that says, I trust in you, Jesus, in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation, not in myself, not in anything that I'm doing, including this act of being baptized. I'm not trusting in that. I am trusting in You, Lord, I'm trusting in that boundless love. And biblical faith is obedient faith. It seeks to know what God's will is, and it seeks to do that will. And so in that context, Peter makes that great statement in 1 Peter 3, baptism now saves you. Not the washing off of dirt and filth from the flesh, but the quest, the drive, the desire for a good conscience to be found faithful in the eyes of the Lord that can only be found through the death of Jesus Christ and the response of our faith. Again, we mention Acts chapter 2 and that great response of Peter and the other apostles, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Before Philip goes and and has that interaction with the Ethiopian treasurer at the end of Acts chapter 8, earlier he had been in Samaria, that that district in between the southern part of of, uh, Judea, the southern part of Palestine where Jerusalem and Bethlehem are, and the northern part where Jesus had his home base, uh, where Capernaum was in the district of Galilee, Philip finds himself in Samaria, and he is teaching the Samaritans, and they're responding. And many of them, it says, are baptized into Jesus Christ. Then that great story of the Ethiopian treasurer stopping the chariot that he commanded to be obedient to the response of faith, to the words of the teaching that he had just heard, to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Christ. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas and Timothy are beginning the what is Paul's third mission journey, as we call it. They find themselves in Europe. They find themselves in the city of Philippi. And as they're there, they go to this place that looks like it's a place of prayer. And sure enough, there's a bunch of faithful women there for prayer. And Paul preaches the gospel to them. And the first convert that we have recorded 
on the continent of Europe responds to that call and is baptized in all of her household as well. That woman's name is Lydia. We still name our daughters sometimes Lydia after this great woman of faith. After her baptism, she pleads with them to come and stay at her house and very likely continued to be a financial supporter of Paul in his mission work. Later on in Acts 16, as you know, Paul and Silas are arrested. They're in the jail, and rather than feeling sorry for themselves or resentful because they're there under poor circumstances, they're singing praises to God. And when they have the chance to leave and don't, the jailer himself comes to them and says, what must I do to be saved? I have incarcerated you, and yet I'm the one that's imprisoned by my sin. You are the ones who are free in spite of being in jail. What must I do to be saved? And they tell him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved in all your family. And then they continue preaching the word of the Lord to them in that exact hour of the night, that very same night, the jailer and all his family are baptized into Jesus Christ. And in Acts twenty two sixteen, as Paul is recounting the story of his conversion, that interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus while he was going there to persecute the church, And then comes face to face with Jesus and is blinded at that sight. And here's the word of the Lord. Go into the city and you'll be told what you must do and what the response of faith is. And so he does. And he's there praying and fasting for three days and three nights. And finally, this Christian man very meekly comes to him, scared to death, Ananias was, of going to Saul of Tarsus. But he goes to him with the message of God and the words of Jesus Christ. And he tells him, what are you waiting for, Saul? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Here is a man who had seen Jesus face to face. Can't tell me he didn't believe. Here is a man who had been praying and fasting for three days. Can't tell me he didn't repent and pray. But his sins had not been washed away, according to Ananias. And he pleaded with him and he challenged him and he said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Not because there's power in the water, not because there's power in Ananias who baptized him, because there is power in the blood of Christ. That's what washes our sins away. All of this, of course, is based on the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it, It would just be an act of frustration. With it, it is the most powerful act we can do to respond in faith and welcome Christ's forgiveness. Secondly, this morning, we are called to be sharing his forgiveness. This is the witness of faith. In the beautiful story that Kelly told as we gathered around the table, what an amazing thing. A reminder that there is no one so out of touch with the Lord that His Spirit can't come to them and convict them and use us to do it. And so we continue to pray and we continue to share, even though many times that may end in frustration and it may even end in persecution. Still, we share His forgiveness through the witness of faith. That's why Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew 28. That's why he tells us in Acts 1 to be his witnesses right where we are 
and then in the surrounding area, and then to the very ends of the, of the earth. That's why we support great ministries like Apologetics Press, like Eastern European Mission, like so many others. The work in Central America, why? Because we are called to share that forgiveness, not keep it to ourselves. It doesn't end with us. We share it with our neighbor and with anyone that we can find possible because we know, we know that someone who may have rejected that message the last time may be going through something different today. And they may be just right for being reminded of not just our love, but the love of Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that you have. We live with hope. And then when that is so magnified because so many around us in our day and time are living hopeless, cynical, frustrated lives, and they see something else in us and they say, look, (laughs) you don't have any more money than I do. You have all kinds of family issues like I do. How come you have hope? And so we tell them because of Jesus Christ. So we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, pleading with people, be reconciled to God. But welcoming Christ's forgiveness finally today means accepting his forgiveness. And this is the assurance of faith. One of the saddest things for me, for our shepherds, for our other ministers, one of the saddest things that we experience are wonderful, trusting, faithful people who have responded in faith obediently to the word of God and the will of Christ and yet feel no security about their salvation. Welcoming Christ's forgiveness means accepting that forgiveness and that is the assurance of faith. We'll sing about it in just a few moments at the close of this service. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And that's the key. If you're trusting in anything but Jesus, you will not have assurance of faith. We're reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, not in ourselves, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If we walk in the light, John says in 1 John 1, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins, purifies us. We are constantly forgiven, not because we're so good, but because he's so good. Not because of the things that we've done, because of what he did, dying for our sins on the cross. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and righteous and will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Finally, John in 1 John chapter 5 says, I'm sharing these things with you so that you will know that you are saved. Not arrogantly, not proudly, very humbly, very gratefully, very faithfully, assured of our salvation. Paul speaks so much to this in Romans 3. In Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 8, there is no more condemnation for those who trust, who are in Christ Jesus, because we are more than conquerors. And so nothing, 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 not a pandemic, not a political party or leader, 
Not financial issues, not health issues, not relationship issues. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Accepting that forgiveness, the assurance of faith. And so this morning as we close, let me tell you this. It is time to welcome Jesus and his forgiveness into your heart. If you have not done that, I beg you, I beg you to consider these words, to consider this scripture, and to welcome Christ's forgiveness by responding in faith. Towards the end of the Bible in Revelation 3, Jesus says, I am standing at the door and I am knocking. Open the door. Open the door. For me, Jesus says, and I'll come in and I'll be with you and I'll eat with you and I'll never, ever leave you, ever. Come to me if you're weary and burdened, Jesus says in Matthew 11, and I will give you rest. Finally, in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul says, look, now's the time. Today's the day. There's no sense putting it off. If you've never come to Jesus, if you've never responded in faith, if you're having trouble trusting him and that salvation and finding that wonderful assurance of faith, if you have difficulty sharing that message and you want your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you, that's why we are here. If you've never come to Jesus, this great song, you don't have to come to him as something that you're not. You don't have to be something more than you are to come to Jesus just as I am. I come. If that's you today, do that as we sing this great song of faith. Just-